0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford podcast with the Irish Examiner. My guest today is a genealogist, which I suppose in some ways is a You might describe one aspect of the work as being perhaps a detective of the genes. Anyway, Maeve Mullen is Head of Research at Finders International, which tracks down people often to deliver them good news that they have inherited some money perhaps. But it does much else besides, and we're going to talk about that. Maeve, you're very welcome.
0: Thank you very much, Mick. Delighted to join you today. Uh,
1: Genealogy. What is it and how did you become a genealogist, Maeve?
0: So genealogy is, I suppose, the art of collecting up genealogical records, births, deaths, marriages, census records, probate records, every other type of a record in order to collate a family tree. And how I got interested initially in genealogy was that my dad had always been interested and he had done research into um, his family tree the hard way before the internet was invented with a pencil and paper and looking at microfilms and a old dusty books in libraries and repositories. So I suppose from from an early age, I was aware of him doing research into into family history. And that's where it started for me. Yeah.
1: You didn't start out your working life as a genealogist, I believe. You you were working um, in IT, was it initially?
0: Yes, a uh, absolutely. I um, I did a degree in computer applications in DCU and went to work in Bank of Ireland. And I was there for many years, loved my work in the IT centre and in lots of different locations around Dublin and in IT. But I started doing a night class in UCD in Irish genealogy, loved that also. And then when an opportunity came up to take redundancy from the bank um. I really wanted to do something different and I thought I would give the the genealogy uh, a go. So at that stage, I also um, when I left um, Bank of Ireland, I did a master's in Irish history in Maynooth, um, which is fantastic as the background context for genealogy, so the 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 history is the um, the live the the times through which people were living, and I suppose it uh, puts more flesh on the bones of the stories of their lives. Uh, so yeah, that's how I got started.
1: Very good. And one thing that I'd be curious about in the first instance is where i to ask you to go back through my family tree how many generations do you reckon, generally speaking, you'd be able to go back? And what is the furthest you've ever managed to go back?
0: Well, I, I suppose a uh, you can go back and back and back for some families. In Ireland, births, deaths and marriages, uh, the civil records um, started to be recorded in 1864. So every family can get back that far. So they can go back to the 1911 census and then 1901 census and certainly births, deaths and marriages from 1864. Prior to that, um, there are a church records. So depending on um, the religion of the family, and um, depending on the parish in which they were living, the the records uh, vary when they start and finish, um, and how available those records are. So you can be lucky and unlucky. It really varies for every family. Um, a, how far you can get back. There's also an absolute wealth of other records, and um, a land records, a Griffiths valuation, tithe plotment records, and. Um, memorials from the uh, Reg of Deeds, um, there's, there, there's a, a whole uh, Aladdin's cave. I'm going to call it for people who are interested in genealogy. There's a wealth of records there and more records are more and more records are coming online. So if you have researched your family tree uh, a few years ago, it's always worthwhile uh, coming back and giving it a rattle again because something else or something new may have come online and uh, it's it's worth just checking that out again.
1: Yeah, one thing, you mentioned history and it's just a brief thing I remembered and it might be completely off beam, but at the outset of the civil war when um, the garrison was in the forecourts and, and Michael Collins shelled the forecourts, my recollection is that uh, people suggest one of the huge issues that arose at that point is the resultant fire or whatever happened there one way or the other, that a huge volume of records, I think relating to births and deaths and that, were destroyed. Have you any knowledge of that? And does that have a big impact on the capacity to go back before, say, 1922?
0: Yes, well, I suppose just to be really clear, the records that went up in smoke were mostly a Church of Ireland, church records and probate records. So wills and and a, um, a grants of um, probate ad, admin, copies of those, they were lost. But we have a full set of births, marriages and deaths from 1864. So those records were not impacted nice. by that fire at all. And yes, it is very disappointing that those records were lost. But that's the challenge, is to gather as many pieces of the Jigsaw puzzle as are available and to um, put them back together again. And it's always worth checking, uh, even though a lot of uh, wills and probates were lost, it's always worth checking with the National Archives um, in case a will or a copy of a will or a copy of a probate was in, uh, for example, a solicitor's office or in somebody's private collection, uh, or in their private papers, and then has made its way to the national archives. So yes, we lost. Um, a, you you could you could sit and cry and sob <laughs> about the records that were lost, but. The challenge is really, OK, so how do we get around those gaps and um, let's work with all the records that we do have and we do have access to? Yeah.
1: Yes. No, it was just, I suppose, from your, your, your school days and the teaching of history and, and when that was mentioned, I suppose it was perhaps delivered in a way as if to say a, a big chunk of, uh, of the recorded history was done away with. But then, like a lot of things uh, to do with, particularly around that time, things, things can be over dramatised somewhat. Mm-hmm. Maeve, Family Tree is a hobby and that for people, but you're working for Finders International, which basically finds people. And obviously, it's a business people are willing to pay to go back through various family trees. What is the main thrust of your business at Finders International?
0: So mainly the work that we do is for solicitors. Two scenarios where a solicitor is administering uh, an estate for a deceased person. And if that person made a will, there may be somebody named as a beneficiary in the will who doesn't live at the address where they used to live, or maybe there was no address given in the will at all, and the solicitor is having difficulty tracking down that person and uh, finding them in order to give them their share of the inheritance. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is where uh, the deceased person died intestate. They didn't make a will at all. And in that instance, we are asked to confirm the next of kin for the deceased person. Other work that we do, um, our sister office in London often sends us uh, requests to locate Irish family for somebody who has passed away and a they say they weren't married, they didn't have any children, but it's known that they were born in Ireland or that their parents were born in Ireland. And in that instance, sometimes those cases can be very urgent if the deceased person has just passed away and their funeral hasn't happened yet. So we are, I suppose, endeavouring to find locate family as quickly as possible so that they can instruct an undertaker and that the person's funeral can, can go ahead, you know.
1: And have you, for example, done cases like that where somebody is contacted and told your grand-aunt or whomever um, that the undertaker... Services are required.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's not unusual at all. And um, in some instances, family really want to travel to that person's funeral uh, as well. And so I suppose by us contacting them, it facilitates that happening, that they can actually go to this person's funeral. And otherwise there might not have been very many people. At the funeral, you know, but uh, needless to say, during COVID, um, a, Irish people couldn't travel to the UK for funerals like that, but at least they could be in contact with the hospital in the UK or be in contact with the council who were arranging the person's funeral. And um, maybe have a, you know, at least then they would know where they were buried, you know, for the purposes of uh, putting a headstone or, or some kind of a memorial. Or in quite a lot of instances, there are a cremation maybe arranged and then family can go and collect those ashes at a later time and bring them back to Ireland and perhaps scatter them, you know, where that person was born on a farm or um, beside the sea in, in, in Clare or where wherever it was that they were from. Yeah.
1: Would this sometimes be people, for example, who may not have um, been in contact with the person who's just deceased for many years?
0: Exactly. Within a family, there is often a story or family lore of, well, a uncle uh, Paddy went to America and we got some letters for a few years, but then nobody ever heard from him again. Or Auntie Mary went to the UK and um, kept up contact for a little while, but then lost. Contact. Um, there might have been some kind of a row in the family that precipitated that there wasn't any further communication. But actually, what seems to be more usual is that um sometimes emigrants in a, in a new country that they stay in touch with their family in their home country while their parents are alive, but once their parents are gone there's a connection lost with their home place and then there's there's a whole variety of reasons why you know who knows life just gets busy and oh, yeah. people move on and they if if you haven't been in touch in years it becomes more difficult maybe to get in touch or or you know the 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 classic song from from Claire to hear maybe they feel that they didn't do as well or weren't as successful in life as they had hoped. And then they don't want to, you know, broadcast that at home where they're from or whatever. Yeah,
1: it is a very interesting scenario. Like, I mean, I, I know myself, for example, families who a family member, nobody might have heard from, they immigrated, heard from them for 20 or 30 years. And I and that, I suppose, from the point of view of, of your work is, is a classical scenario where they might get in touch when a is deceased. But it's um it's an interesting scenario in you turn up for the funeral and you have this gap of thirty years yes. when you never knew what was going on. You can imagine the whole emotions and, and and the narratives and the stories that are behind this. It's um I suppose it's just the nature of the country too in terms of immigration and the role it played and that sort of thing.
0: Absolutely. On on a Absolutely. more
1: mundane level, uh Maeve do you get many requests from, I, now I, I say Americans because they're the ones who are most known for, it, but presumably you'd also find people in Britain or Australia looking back through the family tree in terms of their immigrant families and that sort of thing.
0: That um, research uh, for immigrants who would like um, for uh, their family tree to be put together, uh, we don't do um, that type of right. work. And um, our work is all for uh, probate and legal purposes, or uh, regarding property matters. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's mostly solicitors that we work on behalf of. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer forward slash subscribe.
1: Okay, and tell me about wills, as you say, um. In the first instance where you're asked to locate a relative. Yes. What, for example, I, I contact you as a solicitor uh, in from, in, let's say, London, for instance, and want you to contact, find this guy, Mick Clifford, who is believed to be a second cousin and the only living relative of the deceased and, and, and is mentioned in the will. What's your starting point in a scenario like that?
0: our Our starting point is to know information about that person as the starting point, so the solicitor will be in contact with a family member they'll have a client who is the person the administrator or the executor or the executrix uh, of the will. And they may not know this missing person's date of birth, but they will know who their parents were and where, who possibly their brothers and sisters were And roughly where they were born. So we establish initially their birth record. um, And with that, we have their date of birth. And family members may have an old address for this person. So they might have letters or they might have an address book that says that Mick Clifford was living at number 33 Main Street, Birmingham. But the letter is dated 1961 or 1973 Mm. or whatever. So that's really where we start. With that kind of a, a, a request, um, one very um, interesting a case that we did last year was exactly that scenario. Was that so? Mick Clifford is is a, the address that we have from is number thirty three Main Street, Birmingham, and a the solicitor had written to that address and had no reply. So we uh, uh, did our research and um, we have a network, uh, a team of reps who are um, a retired policemen or policewomen in the UK and in Ireland, they are retired Garda, and they can go and visit and um, knock Knock on somebody's door if we're not re- uh, if we haven't gotten a reply from a letter, and when our rep went and knocked on the door for McClifford at number thirty three, uh, Main Street, Birmingham, a there was a totally different family living there. They had never heard of McClifford, but they said we're new to the area, and there's a lady two doors up, and she's lived here forever, and you should you should talked to her and when our rep talked to her she said oh Mick Clifford lives at number 38 not at number 33 and McClifford Clifford is still hale and hearty and living at number <laughs> 38 and it turned out that in uh, I think it was an address book that this had um that the initial information had been taken from, and it was handwritten, and it had gotten smudged, so the the thirty eight looked like a thirty three.
1: Right, that was an so, easy one. now. That, that that was that was read. that <laughs> <laughs> that turned that turned out easily enough. But suppose, <laughs> supposing no one, nobody in the new neighbourhood had ever heard of this famous McClifford yes. who was here thirty yes. years beforehand. I mean, without that, for instance, then. Like for instance, do you, do you head for if you have a location? Do you find all the Cliffords who were born within a particular time in a particular uh, area, or how do you narrow yes. it down?
0: Well, we we would we would already have um a done research to determine a we'll say Mick Clifford's uh, birth record in Ireland, and then we will um search for marriage records and death records and a really try to 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 um a hone in on a particular area um it's great when family can say yes he was definitely in birmingham um so we're not looking in all of the UK um but it it and if it turns out um that mcclifford has passed away then um possibly a, it's his family then that we need to get in contact with so from his death record we would be trying to locate his his grave details and um, possibly a family member would be the informant on the death record. And if there is maybe, you know, yes, it can get more complicated if um, it's not a family member who's the informant or if the family member who's the informant has moved away from the house that they were living in and they've now emigrated to Australia. And so, yes, like you're, you're right, research, it can grow legs on occasion, yeah.
1: What may is the scenario say the person you're looking for is deceased, does does the uh, the legacy in the will pass on to that person's um next of kin or what?
0: That absolutely depends on the wording in the will. So the wording in the will may dictate that um if McClifford is deceased, his children do not um inherit right. a, or it may it 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 may actually say Mick Clifford or his descendants, do you know?
1: Supposing it's not specified in the will uh, that in the event of the, me or whomever is deceased, if it's not specified that it pass on to their descendants or it not pass on to their descendants, if, it, if that element of it isn't specified in the will...
0: It doesn't pass on, but I suppose... Right. You would need to actually read every will... Yeah, yeah. Um, ...and identify whether his descendants were a, entitled or right. not. And yeah.
1: presumably so, Maeve, you, you have come across scenarios where a different Mick Clifford gets the phone call and told, guess what? <laughs> you haven't won the lotto, but you've got a nice little legacy here that you never saw coming
0: for sure um that that's the challenge in in our a uh, genealogy i suppose our due diligence uh, requires that we will um make sure that it is the correct Mick Clifford. so at the start of any conversation um we would typically send an approach letter and then the um the person uh, phones us back and then we have to make sure that they're the right McClifford. That they that we're on the right track. That their parents were, um, you know, hmm. Patrick and Mary, and that their grandparents were Thomas and Ellen, and you know that that yeah. that it's it's the correct McClifford and not a different McClifford.
1: Presumably, you've come across cases where this has come as a complete surprise, if not shock, to someone that they were they were due money, basically.
0: Yes. Uh, most people are surprised um you know they it it can sometimes sometimes uh, people are um somewhat expecting a call that um you know uh, and they're not that surprised and they when they get a call from us they 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 nearly say oh is it is it my uncle john who has passed away or is it my auntie betty who has passed away right. um But most people are surprised because most people are not expecting um, a phone call. And also, maybe
1: something I've seen there, we have a scenario whereby we have unclaimed estates, which presumably are estates that are there from people who died uh, without making any will and there has been no claim on them. I I just looked at the website. I I think it's a UK-based website, even though it includes a lot of addresses in Ireland. It runs into the thousands and it goes back decades. And um, would you get calls from anybody who might see a name and that and, and see uh, is there any way I'm related to someone
0: there? Exactly. So unclaimedestates.ie um, is a website that we set up and it has a list of uh, bona vacantia cases from the UK on it. So um, the Treasury in the UK have this bona fide list that uh, if somebody passes away and they don't um, have any next of kin, but the state is holding funds for them, they um, put their names on a list and anybody who is related can make contact. So we have that list because those are are people who were born in Ireland. And sometimes we do have members of the public contacting us and um, because they see a name on the on the list. I suppose if a member of, of the public sees a name um on the list and they know that somebody with that name, um you know, Michael Byrne, a that they, they had a great uncle who went to a uh, the u k and maybe the the area matches up as well um then we can take a look at um if they are actually connected to uh this person, but I suppose we would need some background information as to how they feel they are connected to them do you know yeah, uh,
1: yeah. have you ever come across a case where somebody contacted you on that basis and it turned out they were and that they were entitled to um, be a beneficiary to will?
0: Um no
1: yeah actually. it's a long it's a it's a long <laughs> shot I I I went in I have to say I went in I looked at the at the estate just a bit of research for this are yes. the unclaimed estates yes. and there were three Cliffords um mentioned in the right. when you filtered down the list but then when I right. clicked on it there was none so I think they might have saw me coming and they ran for cover or something like you know or maybe <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it, they it, rolled it is off an, it, it is an interesting one that. People would see a name and think that uh, perhaps they might be in line for a few bob or something. The, yes. the thing that strikes me, Mave, is there's a whole treasure trove of human stories, as there so often is, I suppose, with death and, and with immigration and with loss of contact and that. In 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 your um, in your work, and I just I saw elsewhere that you mentioned a couple of one. There, there was a really nice story. I thought you you. Um, about a man who passed away in a hospital in the UK and there was no next of kin on file and nobody visited him while he was in hospital and there's no next of kin there and you were asked to research his background and you were able to locate his mother's grave um, Yes because he wanted to be buried with her
0: Yes yes we're 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 very proud of that case actually, because we um received that inquiry on a Thursday afternoon, and by uh, Tuesday morning we had located his mother's grave um and had we not located the grave, he would have been buried. You know, in an unmarked grave, you know, not with his mother and his grandparents, actually. So, um, that was a that was a a, a really it was a whole big team effort. Nearly the whole team in Finders were working on that case, and it a, it turned out as a, a really great result.
1: Yeah, and I, and I believe you had another one whereby you were asked to find a woman whose name was on the title deeds of a house and with a man and the man had passed away and you were asked to locate her presumably on the basis that she would have been entitled to um to the house on the basis that her name had been on the title deeds and you actually located her.
0: That's right. The lady in question had been engaged to this man. um, But when they were going out years and years ago, um, her family did not approve of the relationship. So she moved uh, away and um, she took their advice, moved away and um, met somebody else and got married and had children and had a very full life. And I, I, I think she did think of her ex-fiancé from time to time because when my colleague contacted her, um, she immediately knew who... Um, she was speaking of, and she was very sad to hear that he had passed away. And she, I suppose she had hoped that, uh, and assumed that he had married somebody else and had children and had, um, the same life as she had had. So she was quite sad to hear that he had never, um, married and that he had never taken her name off the deeds to the house. Um, and yeah, she certainly didn't want any inheritance out of that. Um, and uh, she was very happy for us to give her contact details back to the solicitor so that the solicitor would sort out the 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 paperwork and the um the deeds and and all of that.
1: It is a fascinating view into um,
0: it those is, kind of stories, isn't it? It is not it That you have we, through your work. We find it fascinating... Um, every day there's something else that's very interesting, and I have to say, I am one of the the, the very lucky people who uh, I really love my job, and it um it there is a kind of a an element of a investigation and solving a puzzle and the challenge, and a sometimes you can be researching and researching and digging and digging and trawling. And then finally, there's a eureka moment. So those eureka moments keep you going for um, all of the, the due diligence. I tell uh, you, me if, 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 if you ever have a done. mind to
1: go yeah. writing fiction or anything, you've a, <laughs> you, you, you have a <laughs> lifetimes of material there in the office.
0: Exactly. Oh, well you never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. I might I I might do that. Yeah. yeah. But yes, for sure. There's lots and lots of brilliant stories and it's just real. It's real life, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. That's it's the just thing. people's real lives. Yeah.
1: Maeve Mullen from Finders International. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Mick. That's it for today, folks. Uh, I'd also like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening. Get us on all the usual platforms and get us every week. And we will see you soon. Take care.